A quick warning before we start. This episode has an instance of mild language, so keep that in mind before you listen. We hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All in a Day's Work. I'm Sarah Rosenthal, and I'm here with Alan Denton, the head writer and story editor for Coco Melon. Alan, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thanks, Sarah. So, Alan, let's dive right in. Uh, you studied film and television writing at Tisch. What brought you to that program, and how did that experience influence your career? Oh, my God. You know, in high school, I was short film, like, digital video kid. Like, there was, like, a video AV program in my high school that I got really into. And when you're in high school and doing that stuff, I was writer, director, star, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I was just like everything in those. So, um, I think also I was just like, yeah, I'm going to be like a Spike Lee. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. Uh, so like NYU was kind of like the, the dream place to apply. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, after leaving NYU, that transition of moving from New York City to Los Angeles, did you already have connections there? And what were some of your first positions? Well, I'm uh, short answer. No, I, I knew nobody. So I moved two weeks after commencement. I it was in 2007. My girlfriend at the time, now wife also an NYU grad. We just kind of got in a car and drove to Los Angeles. So no, I didn't know anyone. I did go to the, I think it was like the Office of Career Development or something had a list that they called the Willing Contacts, which was just like NYU alumni in LA. Camera operators, uh, sound people, uh, a couple of writers and everything, but mostly it was like below the line workers. So I had that which was just like, all right, I'll get lunch with uh, all of them. <laughs> uh, and so like, that's really just how I, we started our LA journey was I was just like going down the list to these NYU grads going, hey, hi, I'm here now. There was also like an NYU alumni social networking page. But through that, I ended up meeting another NYU alum named Bill Freiberger, who was a writer, a cartoon writer, wrote for The Simpsons, wrote for Drawn Together on Comedy Central, wrote for Pee Wee's Playhouse and everything, and sort of like was super fortunate to have met him in my first month of being in LA. And, and he ended up being like the contact that got my whole career rolling. Because like I moved to LA again, like I had this idea that, I don't know, I'd show up in LA and everyone would go, we're so glad you're here. Come on. Let's we've got jobs <laughs> waiting for you. Come on in. But I moved and I got a job at the sales office of a TV production company. But like the whole time I was going to these mixers and meeting people and one day after about 2 years working at that place, Bill calls me and he was like, "Hey, I just got hired on this MTV show. It's a an unpaid internship, but it's in the writers room. You would be essentially the second writers assistant." like the writer's room intern so i quit my job which was like very awkward 
because I, I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to tell them I was quitting the job to work unpaid. So they were like, well, what's the other offer? And I was like, don't, don't worry. No, don't worry about it. I'm not staying. And, uh, and they're like, well, we could give you more benefits. Oh God. Oh, I could have had more benefits this whole time. No. Um, but, uh, so I worked at this MTV show. It was called Warren the Ape, by the way. It was a puppet show on MTV. So when that ended, Bill recommended me to another writer who was starting an animated series. That was a French cartoon called Wreck-It Rabbit. Again, like, ugh, I'm lighting it up. So that was my first animated credit. And that was like four years into being in LA. But then after that, my buddy Bill got hired as the head writer on the Sonic the Hedgehog show called Sonic Boom. And it just so happened by that point, I had been his unpaid assistant on a show. You know, I had, a, had an animation credit under my belt, a produced animation credit. And I knew a lot about Sonic the Hedgehog because I grew up with the stuff. And I had my first Sega Genesis when I was like nine years old. I just like happened to be at the right place where Bill was just starting this show. And so like from there, that's when my career finally started really rolling. And so then after that job, I got hired on a Nick Jr. show called Sunny Day, which was a, a music-based show about a little girl who runs a hair salon, and I was head writer over there for their second season. And then that's when Coco Melon called, because I had this unique position of I was head writer on a music-based preschool show, and that's what Coco Melon is. Uh, and apparently there's not a ton of people with that experience. And so like all of a sudden I found myself in this world of preschool music videos and i've been over at cocomelon for the last year now so in summary it sounds like you've sort of done a little bit of everything i mean you you've written for shows on mtv and nickelodeon but you've also written for shows that never got picked up in the united states that were you know only aired outside the country you've freelance you've worked in special effects all of these different things how would you say having so many different types of experiences and so many different types of roles has prepared you to be successful in your career. When, when I go through that story, it, it sounds like it's very A to B to C, you know, like I did this, which led to this, which led to this, which led to this, and here I am. Uh, it doesn't feel that way when you're living it. You know, it just feels like you're randomly hunting for another job and uh you know is this a lateral move is this a backwards move is this the right move to make and everything but really like all of those gigs and all those different jobs you meet more people and you know you kind of make more connections so it's sort of like you never really know what's going to be a big break or even like a really great career move for you I guess it's all just sort of like part of the color of your your L.A. journey out here. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. So for somebody who is a writer, you know, looking to start out in an entry level position and like looking for advice on how to move up in the industry and, and get respect, what would you say to those people? So if you're looking to be a, a writer, especially in TV, the the word the, the word you're looking for in those job listings is coordinator, script coordinator, development coordinator, you know, something production coordinator, because that that means assistant. 
basically. And that's like kind of the job I did on Warren the Ape, only mine was unpaid, so it was intern. But coordinator is usually the person dealing with the scripts and all of the all of the production stuff. And I mean, like, that's what I tell people all the time. It's like it, the most traditional path, if there is a path to being a writer, is starting as a writer's assistant. Like, if you can get a, like a script coordinator job or something, you are in really, really good shape to kind of climb the ladder especially if a show is continuing for a long time or gets renewed or something because that's like the time where they elevate the internal staff members like if you if you go from first season to second season then oh maybe the coordinator will become a junior writer you know stuff like that that's really helpful advice how does one begin with networking i mean it's changed so much you know since you first got to LA, you know, how do people looking to make connections go about doing that successfully now? Yeah, you know, it's a tricky thing, because like, on one hand, it's networking, on the other hand, it's being friends with somebody. And like, you don't want to get stuck in that gross space where you're just networking, right? Where you're not like being a real person or being actual friends with somebody. So I mean, for how to start, it's usually to get within the community uh, in some way. There might be, there might be movie nights or mixers or something. Usually, you could find Facebook groups, uh, and it's like just start showing up, you know. And uh, a lot of them are open to the public. Just show up, and and hang out and be friendly and keep showing up to these things. And then it's like the here's the trick: actually be friends with them. You know, yes, do business lunches or, or ask them to read your script and read their script and give feedback, but also just like hang out. If you got kids or something, schedule a play date with their kids or, or you know, volunteer to drive them to the airport if they need to or whatever. Like just <laughs> be friends. You know, like I mentioned Bill Freiberger, who the NYU alum who helped me, you know, got me my first gig on Sonic. I was friends with Bill for three, two years. Yeah, two years where like I went to his house on Thanksgiving and he would come over to my place and, and we'd cook ribs and stuff. Like at a certain point, it's like not networking anymore. It's just hanging out with your friends. That's always like, like try and be a genuine person and expect nothing but friendship because, you know, it, you never really know. And so if you get nothing out of it, you won't be like, God, I wasted all this time networking because <laughs> you got some cool friends out of it. Exactly. Uh, so for for writers who maybe aren't currently working or they're doing things that are in the industry, but they're not writing, what ways can they keep improving their portfolio? Uh, well, I'm going to give advice and I'm going to at the start say I, I am bad at following my own advice. When you're just starting out, try and write a new script every six months. You want to have a portfolio, right? You want to have something to show people. But more than that, it's being calculating about what you're writing. So let's say, let's just say you moved out of college and you had like a really badass coming of age adventure action script or something. And that's your sample. And it's great. You worked really hard on it. So your next sample should not be anything like that sample because you never know where your first opportunity is going to come from. If I just 
talked to someone who's never had a job and said like, oh, my show's hiring, you know, Coco Melon's hiring. Do you have some preschool samples? That coming of age adventure spec isn't going to work for me. Like you need to try and tailor it as close to the thing you're trying to get hired on. But if you don't know what that is, you just kind of need a bunch of really diverse samples. Like that's honestly, honestly huge to try and be as broad as you can with that initial portfolio. And now a word from Daniel Lehman Smith, program manager for Creative Careers. The Creative Careers Accelerator is an innovative six-week learning program offered each semester to undergraduates from every NYU arts and creative degree program. Students are placed on teams of six and are partnered with companies in arts and entertainment and adjacent fields to solve a real-world problem. This semester, students partnered with the Discovery Channel, APCO Worldwide, Vero City Productions, and the Broadway Producing Theater, Second Stage. CCA includes integrated career readiness training, tailored career coaching, and opportunities to network with peers and industry professionals. Students accepted into the program will receive a $1,000 stipend for completion of the six-week program and an MTA card for travel expenses. Additional need-based support is available to address food insecurity, childcare, access to technology, and acquiring business clothing. Apply to CCA and discover viable paths for your career and ways of applying your skills. Back to the show. You've actually really found a lot of success in this niche in writing for, you know, children's programs. You've talked a lot about sort of how you came to specialize in that. And I know you mentioned, you know, how that wasn't necessarily intentional. It's sort of just how things progressed. Uh, So I guess what I really want to know is, you know, how does writing for, for children's programs, children's television compare to maybe a broader approach to TV writing? You know, in a lot of the ways, it's the same. You're still coming up with a story. A story is still told in three acts. You know, you still need an inciting incident. You need an antagonist. You need a creative solution. You know, like in a lot of ways, it's the same, except that it's a lot gentler in the preschool space you know when i said you need an antagonist usually that antagonist in my stories is environment based or or just time itself you know like they're we're in a rush or something because everyone's super everyone's super nice to each other what i like to do is i come up with my idea for a story that's usually unproducible in my in the age range i'm working and then we just start like trying to go like okay well if we're doing that story in coco melon what does a coco melon version of that story look like i don't know if if you were looking at like the star trek episode trouble with tribbles for example and you just went like what would trouble with tribbles look like in preschool or something uh and then you just sort of like eventually start changing things and and making adjustments to try and make the story fit and you end up with something that's nothing like where you started and it's its own unique thing but it's still got a genesis in there you know what i mean yeah i do and in your career you've seen also a lot of change in the television industry right you're actually writing for a youtube channel 
What have some of the adaptations been that you've had to make to how the the industry is changing? Wow. Well, yeah, it's funny. Like YouTube, when I was in college, was like just sort of like where people would throw their home videos or something. Like it was nothing professional. The biggest adjustment for me was, and what I wish I had been told in college, was like to be broad with your goals because when I moved to LA, I was just kind of like, I want to work on a on a network television show. And then like sort of the industry changed and streaming happened and streaming led to kind of this revolution, you know, with YouTube content and everything. And like the whole nature of the industry changed. And so it what I what my dream was, quote unquote, I'm making air quotes, my dream was when I graduated to work on a network show didn't like mean what it did when I graduated. What I should have said when I graduated was I dream of writing on a show that's seen and enjoyed by millions of people. And so like, honestly, writing for YouTube like I said, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of the same, except that it's on YouTube. But also, it's just, it's just writing, like it's just writing like anywhere else, you know what I mean? Well, and you're actually speaking of kids, you're you're now married with a kid. Yeah, that's not what you were. That's not what was happening, uh, you know, <laughs> earlier on in your career. With all of the work that you're doing, how do you figure out that work life balance? Oh my god! Well, if if you figure it out, let me know. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't know. Work life balance is. I I thought when I when I had a kid that there was like a solution to it or something, but it turns out I think you just feel guilty in every direction, and if you feel guilty in equal amounts, you're pretty balanced. Uh, I know, but I used to pride myself on being the type of person where I would work as long as it took to get the job done to my standards. Like when I was head writer on other shows, sometimes like a script would be due tomorrow. I would get it in from the other writer and just look at it and go, this is terrible. This needs to be rewritten from scratch. And then I would just stay up all night and I would write a new script and get it in on deadline to my standards. And, and I would just sacrifice my next day, I'd sacrifice my sleep. It's really different to try and be that way once you have a child. Because now extra time at work is pulling you away from foundational childcare experiences. And so I remember when she was first born, it got to a point where I was looking at my wife and thinking about like how much I was seeing my daughter and how much self-care i was doing which was not a lot and how much work i was doing which was you know or less than i felt i should be and i said to her i went Lindsay, nothing in my life is being done to my standards and she said that's called work-life balance and i was like wait this is what everybody does and she said yes oh my god this is terrible so anyway to me that's work-life balance of just like shaving just enough off my standards of everything so so they're all like still standing you know what i mean so my last question for you is just 
What's next for you? Well, you know, I'm pretty happy at Cocomelon, and my daughter is nine months old. So it's like sort of maybe the best time in my life to be writing content for babies. So I think I'm going to be here for a little while. Uh, aside from that, you know, I mentioned that I did some development work over at Nickelodeon. That's still up in the air. There's still like they're producing a pilot based on the script I wrote with my partner, Greg Hahn. We wrote it two years ago and they're doing a pilot they're doing an animatic there's a chance that show will will come to fruition so that could be another thing that's next but like honestly i nursery rhymes for babies is uh, is where i'm gonna be for a little bit i think well alan thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today uh, we really appreciate hearing about your experience and uh, it's been a pleasure thanks so much go violence Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Sarah Rosenthal, and this is All in a Day's Work. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal with episode guest Alan Denton. We're produced by Miriam Miller, Sarah Rosenthal, and Ben Barzilai edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Danielle Crystal, Haley Garofalo, Emily Anderson, and Joseph Mercadante. That's all in today's work. Thanks for listening. <laughs>